Have our time yesterday. We're this week. We're in First Timothy uh, three, and we probably spent half our time yesterday talking a little bit more about First Timothy two. Um, but it really kind of works together. It, amazing how a book of the Bible like continues Isn't to it? flow, right? Um, <laughs> but anyway, especially when it's the based on a letter, when it's a letter based book. So anyway, today we're talking about. If you could only see me waving my fingers around. Yep. Um, today we are talking about 1 Timothy 3, and we're going to be in 1 Timothy 3 the whole day today. Um, Terry, would you mind reading for us? Yep. Starting at verse 8 through 13. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there's anything, nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Yes. Um. I have a note about this passage. She has a note. I have a note. Um, in verse 11, it says, In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. Well, we have just talked, finished talking about sit down, shut up, and go have babies, right, for women. And that's not really what it is. Um, and so the question is, like, why would Paul have just said all of this about women? And the fact that their salvation is through childbirth and then saying like the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. And um, one of the things that I read is that this was actually talking about female de deacons, like deacons or women could be deacons in the church. Um, yes. So that just goes back to the fact that Paul was not like, this is your place and shut it. Um, so anyway, well, I, I read something a little different cause I wondered like, why is that right here in the middle? They're talking about the deacons and right here in the middle is this little blurb about women. And, and I, I read that as well, Suzanne, but mm -hmm. I also said they, these are the wives of the deacons. So that's why that is right in there, right in the middle of this whole section about a deacon. So I don't know. But well, it, either way, either way, that's a really good verse because we are we should all be worthy of respect. We should not be malicious talkers and be temperate and trustworthy in everything. Isn't that what we should be? Whether we're the wife of a deacon, a wife of a deacon, or deaconess in the church, or in any kind of leadership, or in our own home. Yeah, right. We know that deacons. There were female deacons. We have Phoebe. Um, and so that occurred, 
I don't remember if Lydia was a deacon too. I know she was, she was a business owner of the purple cloth. I know that, but we know that women held these positions even in this strongly patriarchal society. So it could be both. Why couldn't it be both? Like you're yeah. saying, Terry, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we're looking for. I, I would imagine that if they were talking about female deacons too, they were saying that they would have to have all these qualifications also. Right. You know? um, oftentimes don't we see that God calls a couple, you know, mm-hmm. um, so it's not at all unusual today to see a mm-hmm. husband and a wife, um, working in the church in positions of authority. And um, so I, I would imagine it was kind of the same thing then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, that would be ideal, wouldn't it? To have the man and the woman together be serving God, the husband and the wife together be serving God. Mm-hmm. We had a pastor at our church once and he was a really good pastor, you know, a good preacher and everything, but his wife wasn't involved in anything. And that just, it really didn't go over very well with the congregation. And she, and it could be because we had a pastor before that the wife was so involved with everything that that's what we had come to know and expected. And so when we got this pastor and she, you know, didn't get involved in anything, it was really, it felt weird. I don't think it's wrong. I mean, certainly... A man could be called and his wife may be happy to support that calling without yeah. feeling that call herself. I think that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it, it probably feels weird to most people because for the most part, pastors and their wives serve together. Mm-hmm. So that, that's just so interesting as we're kind of talking about it. One, we need to be praying for our pastor's wives. That is such mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. difficult place to be. Mm-hmm. They get all the gossipy politics of everything. If someone doesn't like what their husband has said, they'll end up hearing about it. People make sure. And it's like, Mm -hmm. man, that's a tough spot. So certainly wanting to keep them in prayer. Yeah. And then, but that it's interesting that you guys are talking about like this, this role of deacon or pastor, we might even be talking like bishop level now too, um, is a team. Mm -hmm. In some ways it's a team. It's a serving of the community in a team. And it's not always, doesn't always look like that. We can have single men or um, single women serving, but um, I don't know. It's just interesting how much, how much more that this is a team approach at some level. I I'm loving this FYI box. It was actually in the last lesson, but it just was so cool to me. It's by um, Lyman Coleman. And it says, it is interesting that in Paul's comment about leadership, he says nothing about the duties of the leaders He only defines their qualifications. So it's the assumption that they know that that they know what they were supposed to do. The problem is not with the performance of duties, but with a deviance in the style and teaching. And so it's like this couple, this connection, this working together. It's about your character. It's about who you are. And I think I'm seeing that too, like in the deacons, like the deacons should have this this quality. And again, like Terry was talking about before bishops have that heavy leadership quality. Right. And um, deacons though come underneath and they're the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So as we're talking about how this might be like a group role in some ways, my question is, 
Well, then aren't we all supposed to be vegans at some level? That's almost a trick question. Maybe not. Go ahead. Well, not, not in official capacity. Not pot stirrer. Pot stirrer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That was a pot stirring comment. You're right. That's exactly what it was. And they all saw it. Everybody started laughing. I was like, hmm, here we go. Mm, here we go. <laughs> But, and my, my reason for saying that is why does it land to the pastor's wife to be the one in charge of Bible study? Why is it her job? Why does she have to run this? Why does she have to run that? The food bank, the food pantry. At so many levels, we need to be standing up. Yeah, And maybe absolutely. we don't have that official capacity. Yeah. Go ahead, Suzanne. You want to jump in here. Because I, I don't stir the pot. <laughs> so... Here's like, I'm, I'm going to say something from a different perspective because I, my family jokes, I'm a professional Christian. I work at a church. It is my job to work at a church, but you know what? It's not my husband's job and it is not my children's job. You did not hire my entire family. You hired me. This Mm -hmm. is what I am called to do right now. This does not mean that this is what my husband is called to do right now or what my children are called to do right now. And okay. And there is, um, there is a large contingency. There was um, a church that I worked for years ago where um, somebody actually said, we should hire this person because their spouse is super awesome. And they'd be, we'd be getting two for one. Two for one. Oh, mm. And there good. is a lot, there is a lot of places, there are a lot of places where that's the belief. Mm-hmm. But like I am called to do what I am called to do. And my spouse is not. And my children are not. They yeah. are called to do what they are called to do, not what I'm called to do. I love that Suzanne, boundary, Suzanne. That's, that's really a great, important. It is a great boundary, but your family does support you in that calling. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, so, that's it would be a whole different story if they were like, Mom, you go to church. I'm out. I'm not setting foot, you know, and we joke around here that they sometimes are voluntold that they're going to (laughs) do things like, Hey, guess what? I need somebody to fill this box this week or whatever. So can you do that? Um, yeah, it, it, they are very supportive. They're very supportive. Um, but that expectation is not like, this is your job too now. Although God bless you and your husband, when we first started our podcast, I think how much we relied on. Oh my goodness! Yeah, we just assumed we got a package, (laughs) but he loved it. Like that was, and that was the season where that was um, a way that he could support and a way that he could, and he he really was had that free time and he loved it. And then as he's transitioned to other things and has different. Um, like time abilities, then he's taught me how to do some of those things. Um, and that's not to say that he's like, you're on your own now. Um, because just the other day I was like, I lost it. I don't know where this file went, like help. So, you know, anyway, that's just, I'm I'm coming at that from a different perspective of like, well, like I said, it doesn't have to be that you're both called because I have known situations where the wife felt called to something the husband did not and vice versa. And then plenty of situations where they're called together. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we got to go back to why this hierarchy was set up in the first place. Back mm-hmm. in Acts, the apostles were 
getting bogged down with feeding the poor and taking care of the widows. And, and they felt that God had called them to oversee the church, but also to be out evangelizing. Mm-hmm. And so they recognized that they couldn't do it all by themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they prayed about what should we do? And this hierarchy came out of that need. So, okay, you guys can go and preach, appoint some deacons to take care of the widows and the poor and the hungry and distribute the food to everybody. Um, for me, I look at all that and I say, you know, that means there's a place for everybody. Everybody's got a job in the kingdom of God. We've all got mm-hmm. a purpose in the kingdom of God. And if we're all doing our part, then God is glorified. So that all of that hierarchy the overseers, the deacons, the bishops, the, all of that stuff that was set in place was so that the gospel could be preached throughout the world. And so I think if we look at it that way, um, we're taking care of stuff at home. I used to think of that when my husband would travel. You know, I was home for a lot of years, but I was taking care of all the business at home while he went out there and, you know, took care of stuff for us. So I look at that in the church, too, and I think, okay, we all of us have a part to do. We have business to take care of so that those other parts of the body that have other gifts, preaching, evangelizing, teaching, they can go do what they need to do while I'm doing what God's called me to do. And again, I think that speaks to the cohesiveness of the body. And, and it, it speaks to the fact that Suzanne was called and her family wasn't. This needs to come out of a calling. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so it is important. And so yeah. perhaps the pastor, that pastor's wife just wasn't called for this, not at this time. And for her to have to step into that role falsely would not have served the body, you know, without being called with that. She may have needed to be called to other places, doing other things. Right. Haven't you ever I felt think like you were a gap filler. I mean, people have asked me to do things, you know, I've been in the church my whole life and I'm a senior citizen now. So sometimes I've known that I was just a gap filler, mm-hmm. you know, until that person that God called stepped up to take that place. I was just, I was just a placeholder. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think that there is, there are, there are all kinds of situations and variations of, um, of calling and how to relate to that calling. And even the, just to be obedient and fill the need that you see. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't so, think there's anything wrong with any of it. And another part, like I'm looking at us in small groups and what happens with us. It's like sometimes you're just called to be a member, show up, come in that seat and just start to learn about God. There aren't really hard expectations, you know, hopefully not. Just come in and just be here, be part of the community. Then people will call you out sometimes and say, I think you've got some leadership qualities. That's one thing we want to do in Insights Often is like, I see in you this gift of seeing the women. You know, we want, and we would like you to step into leadership, or we'd like you to step in community leadership, or we'd like you to step, it just keep, continues. And every step that we make in that, what happens is it gives that person an opportunity to grow their faith. Every time I've taken and stepped up into a new level, there's a challenge in my faith. There's a growth opportunity. There's, and, and so it's for the person, this hierarchy helps them so they're not handling too much. Mm-hmm. Most people would quit if they had to come in and lead a Bible study first off. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It would. And and then by the way, other people could even, they've been there for a long time because it's like, that's not my special gift. My gift is creating the environment for it. My gift is the administrative part, right? So according, where was it? Um, uh, It's in the homework. First Peter 4, 10 to 11, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do as one who is serving by the strength God supplies. And the whole point of that is that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That's our role. Yeah. I keep, keep thinking about the organ. It, really, this is um, kind of an organizational chart, right? Yeah. It's an org chart. So, yeah. you know, you've got the top and then we're branching down and then we're branching down. And I think about Genesis and how God created things in a specific order mm-hmm. so that one could support the next right? Like if he had just thrown the animals out there without having land and water, well, then what's happening? It's chaos. There's, it doesn't make sense. So in order to have this order so that things make sense and things can be missionally moved forward, you have to have that because you, you can't have all leaders and you can't have all non-decision makers, because Mm -hmm. if you have all leaders, you're going to spend all of your time arguing about what's going to happen. And if you don't have any leaders, then everybody's (laughs) going to wander around like headless chickens. Mm -hmm. So it really is an org chart and it makes, it makes things make sense so that the mission can move forward. Mm -hmm. So I agree. And if in, in verse 11, if these are deaconesses in the church, so the, all this stuff above it and all this stuff below it also, um, they have to, those are their rules too, too, their guidelines too. And I think in that case, then Paul putting in the part about not being malicious talkers. <laughs> I mean, there are men who gossip, but really that's a mostly, I think, a woman's problem. And so she gets a little extra... Um, little extra help with her mouth there and her guidelines and what she should do. Don't, don't be a malicious talker. Don't be a gossiper. That Uh, ruins um, congregations. It splits people. That's a, it's a really bad one. Don't do it. There's a note in my Bible that says, um, talking about that women often conversed in their neighborhoods and custom allowed them to gossip. Shaming people in this way served as a form of moral social control, but the scandalous rumors behind it were often false or exaggerated. So if this was like a cultural passive control mechanism, then you certainly wouldn't want that happening in your church leadership. Mm, Yeah. I see Rosemary's brain. I know. Well, I just see how we do that today. Today. Yeah. And it's, and I'm, and I was just kind of, and I don't know how relevant it is, but just like how women have had these non-power roles. And so this was their way of gaining power. Mm-hmm. And it's a usurping kind of sideways way of gaining yeah. power as opposed to standing up in a clear way. So anyway, yeah, I just kind of went off a little bit that way. No, I thought that was a good thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it talks to like, remember like the Judaizers are the people that were creating problems within the church. Men are certainly capable of this, but sometimes it's more forthright, like you're saying. It wasn't in the neighborhoods or it wasn't, it might have been right in the church and they're creating malicious gossip and things like that. What we notice, what how we can know that this is happening, like um, Suzanne just said, oh, a pot stirrer. It's like, 
what's the fruit? What comes out of this discussion? And is this something I want to be a part of? Those are all questions we can always ask ourselves in every situation, even on the radio, turn it off, you know, or the TV or something like that. I have one quote here that I wanted to talk and just get your opinions about. Um, And it was in the FYI by R. Kent Hughes. And they're talking about how a man must be faithful to his wife and manage his children. This is around about the deacon's family. This is in 12. Um, 12, a deacon must be a husband of one wife and must manage his children and his household well. So listen to this foundation. I loved it. He must be a one-woman man. No other woman can have his affections maritally, maritally, mentally, or emotionally. His wife ought, ought to occupy his full horizon. He must love her as he loves himself. He rejects any treachery, anything that would alter his loving focus. A one-wife man places his wife at the center of his heart. How romantic is that? <laughs> I read that. What'd you guys think? I think, husband, if you're listening, do I occupy your full horizon? (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine waking up in the morning and your husband going, good morning, I love you. You occupy my full horizon. (laughs) You know what I think I'm going to do? I'd be, oh my gosh, he's done lost his mind. He's lost his (laughs) mind. (laughs) No, I'm going to wake my husband up and read this to him. Oh. (laughs) And see what he says. (laughs) <laughs> wait i'll do it while he's playing a game on his phone oh yeah <laughs> oh wait I, you know what my husband's such a good man it's like he could go okay yeah. what are we doing now <laughs> he's like but, leave me alone i'm almost to my wordle <laughs> yeah <laughs> but one part about that is that's how god is towards us yeah that is, when you ever think about being loved at such an intense level, deeply, completely, it was like, yeah, that's what this is like. We're his bride. Mm-hmm. And I just was kind of blown away by that and loved it. So anyway, we could have a homework assignment. Just go read this to your husband. <laughs> See what he says. <laughs> I think ultimately it is about Jesus and it's about how God loves us, but. Yeah. Sure is fun to play with that. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Well, as we are finishing up today, Angie, do you want to pray for us? I would love to pray for us. Great. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you have loved us so much, that you do love us so much, that you have given us your word um, so that we can see into your very heart Um for our relationship with you and for our relationship with our husbands and our and the wives, for our relationship within the church with other Christians, and for our relationship toward the world. Father, you have laid it out in a very special way for us. And I'm so grateful that you are a God of order and that you have ordered your word so that we can follow you, that you've revealed yourself to us through your word, who you really are, Father what you think about things, how you go about things, and how you want us to um, reflect your image. Lord, we're so grateful that Jesus came and that he lives in us and that we can be conformed to his image. So very grateful that the Holy Spirit is at work in us, leading us and guiding us into all the truth. And Father, we want to 
let you know that we appreciate what you've given us and that we are willing to submit ourselves to your word and to your will. And Father, we know that if we do that, if we honor you in that way, that it will bring glory to your name and that we will have fulfilled our purpose in this earth. And so, Father, we thank you and we praise you for this time together in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 And cut. <laughs> 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 <laughs>